0: Hello, dear starshines. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Lunchtime Chats. For those of you who are new, my name is Christina and I am a consciousness acceleration expert. And we are here to talk about those issues and topics that are significant for us starseeds, way showers, new paradigm visionaries. We have capacities, we have abilities that are not embraced by our larger human family. Therefore, we have a very unique perspective to the kinds of things that are unfolding in our lives in this day, uh, day and age of turmoil, chaos, and change. So I'm here to do to the best of my ability to give a liberated perspective to those uh, pieces that we face on a daily, on a daily uh, basis. My intention is to help support you in navigating these chaotic times with sovereignty and liberation. Because everything, everything that we're experiencing can be taken in relationship and could be, we could be in relationship with it in a way that further liberates us and our beloveds so welcome 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 I'll give everybody a minute to get on uh, hello dear sister Carol good to see you glad to have you here um, uh, yeah so I'll also give you guys an invitation If um, you guys are interested in learning how to build a strong energy field and step into how to master your dream time, as in how to begin dreaming the world into being, um, I encourage you guys to check out our Dream Time Healing Project. That is um, a subscription um, training that we have here at the Light Body Academy. So go to lightbodyacademy.com and check out our Dream Time Healing Project. All together, it's six meetings a month. And there's some options to to do some upgrades in there too. So it's important to me that people are empowered. It's important to me that people stay inspired to continue to pursue what it is they truly want in the world, what they truly want out of their lives. And it's also important to me that humanity steps up and reclaims this reality. This is such a big deal because if we do not have the courage to dream our own world into being that means embracing our multidimensional nature and applying it to our everyday lives we will be doomed to continue living out this collective nightmare which is you know uh, one falling apocalyptic system after another you know if it's not the banking the money it's you know it's the food it's the um, it's War, it's, you know, you any corner you turn, there's some apocalyptic program getting spun. Oh, yeah, a big one is uh, uh, climate change, you know. Now, once people dive deep into any one of these pieces, it's very clear how it's all constructed. It's all purposely made. It's all purposely twisted. And these narratives are meant to freak us out. They're meant to keep us down, keep us afraid. And quite literally, they are a major um, betrayal, degradation of life. All of those narratives degrade life in such a, such a um, terrible way, uh, um, an overt way. And you know, coming back to ourselves means coming back to the sacred, coming back to our ability to dream the world into being. Is coming back to the pachamama, coming back to what is sacred. That means there's nothing in this experience in a bio suit that is not sacred. And what makes something sacred? We do, okay? By making everything that we do a ritual, a, um, an acknowledgement of the magic of spirit, we are weaving the sacredness back into our daily lives. And that's what this time of year especially is all about, the Dia de los Muertos. Now, you guys don't realize maybe in the West, but, you know, in, there are cultures that are still walking in the sacred. There are still collectives of human that are still um, in deep connection with each other and with the Pachamama. Now, the Western world has lost sight of that because we're distracted by things. We're distracted by what we have, how we look. You know all those things—all those things that actually don't matter—and it's an interesting generational shift I'm finding. I had a conversation with the dear starshine, and she was making the comment that the younger generation—I'm talking about the Gen Zs and younger—that particular population is so extremely polarized. They're either deep into the um, decoding the matrix and breaking free, or they're deep into embracing the matrix and keep on going with more, you know, give your power away to it more. And there's not much room in between. And I find that very interesting that she says this. I feel like that as we um, move forward as a species, the more interconnected we are feel and behave and teach our children, the less vulnerable, the less susceptible they are to the different programs that's being ran, especially these apocalyptic programs. All right, so we are in the time of Días de los Muertos. De los Muertos. What is this? So in European culture and Western culture, we might call this Sahwain, and we're under the mistake that this is talking about a single night, a single day, and it's not true. It's actually talking about a period of time, and this is a period of time where there, uh, the one cycle, the cycle is coming to an end and preparing for the next cycle, and what's happening is that. The the um, the thinning of the veils reaches critical mass during this time, where you can notice the difference. And those veils don't go back up after this period of time. No, these veils continue to be um, to continue to be um, subtle for the rest of the cycle, going um, into the solstice season, into the winter solstice. So, and you might. Wonder why is it important to celebrate this critical mass? And just today, actually, I saw a quote that totally addresses this, and I and I, I love this quote. You guys know that I love Rumi. I talk about, I make references to Rumi all the time. I really feel like I was, uh, I have past life connections with the mystical Sufi. Um, lineages, because uh, there's so many things that, that get activated in me when I'm around that culture or in one of the, um, the, the they don't necessarily call them mosques, but temples and, and stuff like this. It's like there's something that stirs deep inside of me. And the quote that um, I want to refer to as in why it's so important to celebrate these days in a sacred way, these days of the veils thinning, is, um, is this. And this comes from my dear brother, um, Mike, who is also a Sasquatch uh, communicator and Fay Realm communicator. So thank you, dear brother, for posting this. Um, and the quote goes from Rumi, it says, um, "'Everyone sees the unseen in proportion "'to the clarity of their heart. Okay. Everyone sees the unseen in proportion to the clarity of their heart. So that means that when these veils are dissolving and becoming very thin, in some cases, non-existence, when we do this in, with the spirit of celebration and honoring of our ancestors, of, uh, of the actual sacredness of, of the great transition, You know we are clarifying our hearts to go forward into the solstice season we're clarifying our hearts to go forward into our reality with the realms with the veils thin and these other unseen realms very accessible okay so there's great wisdom in these things that the ancient cultures um, observe and celebrate so Samhain in, in ancient European times was a sacred time. And yes, there's a lot of Europeans that came over to the um, that settled in the U.S. and the, the traditions came along with them. And, and it's really been distorted into something very gross, something that actually degrades the sacredness of life. So, you know, we are navigating... This matrix that so many people feel like is insurmountable I'm talking this false matrix that so many, feel very, so many people feel very powerless to step out of. but really, it's very simple things that we do in our lives that can actually mitigate our resonance with this falsehoods, okay? For example, celebrating this time, celebrating this time of the ancestors. And I'm talking about um, Starting now, for well, starting a few days ago, and for the next couple weeks, this is a sacred, sacred, sacred time. Now, here at Light Body Academy, we specialize in, um, you know, in dream time, building a strong energy field, but particularly unraveling intuitive blind spots. And one of the key things that one can do to enhance, advance their psychic intuitive um, acuity is ancestral healing because the very first realm that you come across when you are opening opening up spiritually and psychi- psychically is the realm of the ancestors and if your heart is not clear in relationship to your ancestors all other expansion into the psychic intuitive realms are going are not going to be clear So ancestral healing serves many purposes. It's not just tuning you so you can exist within the true dream of the mother in a resonance kind of way, but it's also to uh, awaken you and help you step into your sovereignty, help you step into your multidimensional mastery. So, you know, all right, so let me me step, let me, Take a couple steps back here. Um, so, Diaz de los Muertos here in Mexico, it's kind of a mixed bag. It really depends on where you are. Okay. So, for example, I spoke with a few ladies from Mexico City and she's like, "Ah, you know, I don't know what the big deal is. We don't do anything about it. And it's nothing here in Mexico. For some reason, everybody thinks it is something here in Mexico. You know, this is one of the ladies. This is what she says. And um, and I'm really surprised by that. I'm looking at her and she's like, I'm Mexican. I would know. And I look at her. I'm like, yes, but you're from Mexico City. And, and she kind of gives me a look and I'm like, I mean, can you agree that? the other areas outside the cities, those cultures and the people are very different, are very different than those, the European settlers, the primarily European settlers of Mexico City. And she thought about it for a second and she's like, yeah, actually you're right, the country is very different. So 80% of Mexico is considered Ijote land, which is indigenous land, 80%. So that means most of the European, um, uh, settlers that came here, they reside within the cities or maybe they went out into the country and mixed in with the local, with the indigenous, in which case there's a name for that called Mastizos, you know, so, so there is an awareness here on some level that there's cultural differences within the different Mexican zones. I speak with another woman from Mexico City, and she's like, oh, yes, and we, we have a sacred relationship with death. And, you know, she kind of goes into this completely opposite explanation of how she sees um, uh, Diaz de los Muertos. And, uh, and she was very, very engaging. Uh, one of the things she said was um, in her family, it's a, at least a three-day affair, as in the first day, August, uh, October 31st is um is the celebration of your pets the animals your beloved animals that have passed and this is where you connect with your um the ones the ones that um you, you know, your beloved cats and dogs, you know, something like what those animals that were a part of your family, not not necessarily farm animals or stock or anything like this, but the animals that were considered part of the family. So the 31st is for the pets, for the animals. And then the uh, the 1st of November is for the children, is to celebrate the children. And that could be children pass, but that could also be Celebrating the sacredness of youth, the sacredness of the next generation, and then the second rolls around, and that is the one for the adults. And many people do it do it in different ways, which is very interesting. And none of them really agree. And and I find I love talking with uh, people who've born and raised here because th- there's such a difference in their perceptions and what they think what they think is considered Mexican or their culture, you know and i'm realizing it it's kind of like if you say you're from a foreign land and you go to new york and you talk to a new yorker and you know a new yorker is going to have a very different look on on american culture than say someone from appalachia or someone from the rocky mountains or even someone from california completely different breed of people <laughs> you guys can agree with me on that so so uh so I find it fascinating when I come across all these different, um, sometimes conflicting accounts. But nevertheless, this is all about celebrating the thinning of the veils and the very first realm that you come into with the thinning of the re- veils is the, is the realm of the ancestors. <clears throat> oh, here, a second, um, Luna Ria, who's also in Mexico City. Let me, uh, Let's see what she has to say about this. She says, even within Mexico City, there is a socioeconomic divide around this. My aunt has workers who invite her to their family celebrations. Okay, yeah, so, and it's very divided. And I think it really has to do with how close you are to the indigenous values, you know, how close you are to the indigenous values versus the, the European values. And that could be in the form of the Catholic church, but it also could be, you know, other forms as well. Because there are many devout Catholics that, um, that celebrate um, Dia de los Muertos. So here um, in Tulum, what a lot of, what I'm observing locals doing is that they go to the cemeteries and they have a party. Someone brings an instrument A bottle of tequila, the friends all come around and they get, they party, they get drunk and sing songs and and do things at the gravesite of their beloveds. And, you know, you might wonder what this does. So if they had, if they had the stories of their ancestors with them that go way back, they would understand that this is about the sacredness of the veils opening. But in uh, you know a lot of that has been lost and and so now what it is, it's just about being authentically with whatever feelings you have about the one who has passed. so some people <clears throat> are you know really hanging on and having a lot of pain and uh you know cry and cry and cry and go deep into their mourning, right and others they use this time to to say goodbye so they can truly let, just let go and move on with life, you know, and then there's like the spectrum in between. Some go, uh, recently very, I was invited to, um, uh, so, well, I don't know if it was her place to invite us, but there was a woman that got invited who invited us. <laughs> That's how that went. Um, to go to a party at the cemetery, in which case they were, um, connecting with, um, some young ones who've committed suicide and the suicide rates are pretty high here um, right now because there's a lot of there's a lot of strife in between the different socio um, d- uh, uh classes like what she what she was talking about so they went there to just simply keep him company because they're catholic they don't believe you can get into heaven if you commit suicide so they have this perception that he is Ah, uh, this one, one young one in particular. I think he was 19. Uh, you know, he uh, he has nowhere to go but to hang out in the realm in between. And so they visit him, you know, and talk to him, and you know, and and use this time to to connect and keep him company. So there's a great big spectrum here of what's happening, but it's like I said, in a high, in a higher perspective, this is really a moment to, um, as these veils thin, to welcome your ancestors, bring forgiveness to your people, clean up the connections between you and your parents and your grandparents and great grandparents and aunts and uncles, stuff like this, so you can have a clear heart. Because your clear heart is important. Your clear heart is in proportion to how clearly you go and see the into the unseen realms. The Sangomas talk about this all the time. These are the African medicine people, the different Sangoma lineages. It's really quite interesting. Uh, you know, uh, the Europeans observed it as if they worship their ancestors, but it's not that they worship their ancestors, it's that they deeply honor their ancestors because that is the next nesting doll of the unseen realms that gets engaged when you open yourself up to your psychic intuitive abilities, when you open yourself up to dream time. So wow, there's so much here. There's so much here. Um, I'm trying to decide. So the sacredness of life, let's go back to that. The sacredness of life. If we're truly treating life say as sacred that also means death is equally as sacred and what the false matrix does as you guys know it's you know it it's the it's a reversal of what the true of what the true nature is so you can can you can say pachamama the dream of the mother the realm of the mother is the original natural matrix okay but she gives us a matrix that feeds that nurtures that grows that grounds that connects okay that's the dream of the mother and then we have this artificial matrix this false matrix that does the opposite it it consumes life it degrades life okay So, if you look at what the Western world does to Halloween, does to Samhain, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, haunted houses, it's, you know, getting scared, it's horror stories, uh, nightmares, it's ghouls and zombies and demons and uh, uh, sex kittens and, (laughs) you know, all those, all this stuff. All the things that degrade the sacredness of humanity, okay? And... It consumes. These acts consume life force energy. They don't feed life force energy. They don't feed connection. Yeah, they're fun. Sure. Debauchery is fun. Getting drunk and having a party, dressing up. I mean, dressing up is fun because you get to have an alter ego, whatever you're dressing up as. All that's fun. But when it's done in a way that degrades life, it's something that is actually costing you life force energy. It's draining your life force energy in some way. It's making your field susceptible to other things, okay? Like going to a horror movie. That is an energy harvesting session, okay? Every time you get those jump scares, right, part of your energy is leaving your body. And trust me, there's, there's parasitic beings ready to get it, okay, ready to feed off that so uh you know we need to reclaim who we are as multi-dimensional beings and take responsibility for how we treat our energy how we treat ourselves how we treat each other okay we have to take responsibility for that so I love, I love, love, love uh, the Dia de los Muertos as it's celebrated in the more um, indigenous I- Ijote areas of Mexico. It's very emotional and very connecting, you know. I just um, had a beautiful message from a dear Starshine. She's in Light Body, and her and her husband are traveling through Mexico. And there is a. Um, there's a city, or not a city, a town, a village that they travel to that people from all over Mexico come and visit for this time of year. And the whole town is in celebration. And, uh, and she talks about how, you know, how there's a lot of indigenous that come to the city center to sell their things and, and how there's this mixed bag. There's such a juxtaposition of emotions there there's great honoring and sacredness but there's also great suffering and hard work and strife and all these things are happening simultaneously so in a way you know as the veils are lifting and the celebrations are happening it's really being with it all we are all it's like the sense of we are all together in this we're in this all together okay and she told a, a quick story about like if and actually, I love this. I can totally see this happening. Uh, like if you're on a crowded bus and there's uh, someone with a family comes in, it's like, you know, they'll just, you know, a child just will, can just get plopped on your lap and you're gonna you're going to have that child on your lap, <laughs> you know, because it's like you don't know each other, but you do know each other in the sense there's this connectedness that we're all in this together. And this is something that I love, love, love in the collective of mexico is that when you are outside of the wealthy areas there's this otherworldly experience well to me because i'm from the western world where the the depth of feeling the depth of presence the depth of connection is so natural it's not awkward or weird in any way you know And I feel like this is our real humanness right there, when we're able to truly be just with each other. It's not about the differences. It's that I'm human and you're human, and we're having this human experience in the same together. (laughs) You know, it's really beautiful. Uh, And this is also why I feel like it's uh, muy importante uh, that I learn uh, español so I can go into those spaces and not. you know, stick out like a well, I stick out with sore because 'cause I'm blonde, but you know what I mean? I can be more integrated, more seamless in the interactions, you know. There's a strong heart here. There's a strong spirit here. And you know, there's also greed in in other things like everywhere else, but it's in it's in isolated areas. It's in it's in islands, you know. In in the US, you know the indigenous are are on reservations, but as soon as you go south of the border, it's like the um, it's like the Western cultures are in reservations called cities, and then the rest of the the rest of the lands is to the for the real people or the people, you know. And I, I believe Ijote means the people. So it's a, it's a wonderful wonderful experience, and it's also, it's a great piece to resonate with because humanity in the West in the Western mind, there's so much sickness. There's so much anxiety. There's so much separation. You know, it's like the more things you have, the more separated people become. I was at this networking. um, It was more than networking meeting, but I was at this meeting of women last night and that was when the topics of conversation was depression and anxiety. And wouldn't you know it, every single person in that room raised their hand, uh, Practically, I think there was just a couple that didn't raise their hand that they suffer from anxiety. And these are a room full of beautiful, uh, successful women. you know? All of them suffer from anxiety. All of them suffer from loneliness. All of them have deep, seated disconnection inside. And I didn't really talk that much about you know my thoughts on that. But because I, I, I just listened. I just wanted to listen to where everybody was at and what was going on with them. And, and that's the big thing. People don't feel connected to each other. They don't feel like they're sharing life with other people. It's like there's their life and then there's everybody else, you know? And this is a spiritual sickness, really. So as we step into this time of the veils reaching that critical mass, where you can really tell that they're thinning, something that you can do to help clarify your heart, something you can do to help enhance your interconnectedness within yourself and with your ancestors is to bring forgiveness into your awareness. So say you have um, a parent or a grandparent that is past and maybe your grandparent didn't have a great relationship with your mom or maybe you didn't have a good relationship. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe there was addiction. Maybe there was, you know, different pieces where you felt wounded and abandoned in that relationship. You know, light a candle for them and talk to them the veils are so thin they can hear they can hear so easily and if you want to you know and just talk to them and recapitulate and tell the story as you remember it and then see if you can get to this place where you can say i accept you i love you yes all this pain was is here It was experienced, and up until now I've carried it. But now I would like to let it go. And I can know my pain and my love at the same time. I can accept you. And maybe you just want to go even deeper and do a full-on forgiveness practice with your ancestors when you're going into the unseen realms with the energy of forgiveness it is a great alchemical elixir and that forgiveness not just liberates you but it also liberates them you are freeing your ancestors with the spirit bringing the spirit of forgiveness to them You are freeing your ancestors generation before generation before generation by doing that and you're liberating yourself and future generations, okay? So if you're in this planet and you know and you have children or you know you want to have children, this is really a beautiful, beautiful thing you can do for the future generations because what happens is that all those unresolved angst and issues that are in you know, that our ancestors had when they died, that they died with, okay? That energy, that energy doesn't go away. That energy continues for the next generation to carry. Because remember, this here and now moment is the result of many nesting dolls of unseen reality manifesting this here and now. Okay, so we are all enveloped within the great dream of the mother. That's Mother Nature. That's, that's the green, that's the rivers, that's the ocean, that's, that's the mountains. Okay, we are all encapsulated within the great dream of the mother. And then there's another layer of encapsulation, and another layer of encapsulation, and one of those layers of encapsulation is the realm of your ancestors and that means all of their wounding and their love. So as you bring the frequency of forgiveness into that nesting doll that is your ancestral realm, you're alchemizing in such a way where you're changing the trajectory of your life, you're changing the 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 flavor of that nesting doll so you no longer need to put energy into resolving those unresolved pieces of your ancestry you can actually live for your purpose your intention instead of making instead of making amends and having to heal all the unresolved stuff of your parents and grandparents and so forth another very very powerful thing that can also be done is death rites for your ancestors. And it could be for ancestors that have passed and it can be for beloveds who are currently passing. This is a profound, profound practice. You can really clear out a lot of things on a deep, deep, deep energetic Akashic level, physical body level as well with death rites. So So this nesting doll of the ancestors is it's of it's in your best interest personally to address because say, you know, you you come from a line of oppressed females or say you come from a line of addicted, heartbroken males. Okay, those energy patterns don't end when they die. They're now in the ancestral realm and it's probably adding to the inertia of many ancestors that had that problem. So now that uh, that nesting doll of the unseen ancestral realm is informing your here and now moment on a subconscious level. So that means there's parts of your life force energy that's going towards working that out, going towards resolving that. Now, if you just d- deny, disown, shut out, then it, nothing gets resolved and it all stays in the subconscious. And now you are no longer... Um, you're that much less aware of how you're creating your reality. You're that much less aware of the subtle realms around you. See, when you do this, your, your psychic intuitive gifts diminish. You diminish your own light. You diminish your own bridge into the dream realms. Okay, so the more open you are, the more can interconnected you allow yourself to feel and be, the more psychic intuitive Uh, um, capacities come online the clearer your heart becomes so you have much clearer perception of these unseen realms and then the more empowered you are in the dream realms this is uh, something that is very very consistent throughout all the indigenous practices that i've been exposed to in my life and i've been to exposed to quite a few and trained with uh, quite a few um, <clears throat> even going back into the Taoist masters that I've worked with they talk about that you know the first 40 it's the most important thing the reason alright let me let me step let me step back for a second because when I start talking about the Tao that's another lineage I have a very deep connection with and have had very profound teachers come into my world from this from this um, lineage and this is, you know, this is the lineage that's behind Qigong and Chinese medicine. And, you know, all the, those are all outcroppings from the, the river flow of the Tao. And they focus on lo- practices for longevity, uh, you know, because every lineage is faced with how to preserve the teachings during the great forgetting, you know, from generation to generation. How do you preserve these teachings? And uh, an immortal Taoist master told me that, you know, the Tao focused on, um, on longevity because that was the most effective way to continue the teachings generation to generation. And the reason why is because the reason why is because the um, with when you're born, you know, you're born it, you're in your mother's womb, you're absorbing all the thoughts, emotions, energies that your mom is experiencing while you're in her womb. And then you're also, if you're female in the womb, you're also developing the eggs of the fu- of future of the future generation, okay? So um, all this potential is happening within the womb space, and you're absorbing it all. And then you get born into this world, you get born through the cervix, which also has another energy signature that overlays the birth. And now you're a baby. You're a baby growing up in the world where you get programmed, where you get trained, and where you get conditioned. And they teach that, you know, it takes at least 40 years of diligent spiritual practices energetic and spiritual practices to clean out the ancestral baggage. It takes 40 years for a human to, of diligent practice, to clean out the baggage of, of what they have inherited from their lineage. Okay, so after it's only after later in life, after the, you know, usually like 40s, 50s, 60s, later in life, are you truly living your own purpose, the sole purpose, the purpose why... You are here, the purpose of what really is in your essence to express in this world. So it's because of this that they focus all on techniques for longevity because you want, once you wake up within a human body, it's so difficult and so rare. You want to keep that body for as long as possible. Okay. And these practices work. There's on record, there are, um, Taoist masters that lived to be a couple hundred years old. I believe the, the last guy that I read about, shoot, and the name is so far away, it's a Chinese name. I think how H U O was, was in his name. Anyway, it was documented that he was uh, the last documented um, picture that they had of him, he was 230 years old. Okay, so, you know, these practices work. And, you know, the human body is capable of a lot more than we think. And it's because we're taught that this is how it is, but it's not. You know, the the sick spiritual sickness, the poison that's been introduced into humanity disconnects us from all these aspects of life that tell us we're sacred, life is sacred, that we're interconnected, you know, all these things things we're we're disconnected from. And when we get disconnected from all this, we age faster. We are full of anxiety, depression, listlessness, you know, you know, it's general unhappiness. And this is, this is something really important to, to realize. Um, Mother nature heals us, us being in connection with mother nature. That's a healing connection. That's a, a, um, a frequency that stimulates our parasympathetic response, our rest and digest response. It's something that eases our nervous system, eases our mental and emotional body. So the dream of the mother is something that is nourishing, that is supportive, that holds us sacred. Okay. I have a couple um, comments here. All right, young trick named Jim. Hey, nice to see you, dude. Um, I am. Am I right to write about my last rights? Hmm. (laughs) I suppose it would be all right. Yeah. Are you talking about death rights? Uh, Yeah, you can share your death rights experience. So when we do death rights. There's a few different contexts. And actually, I've invited people and you guys can contact us if you're interested in this. I've invited people to come in and stay with me. Um, and do death rights training um, here because this is a really powerful vortex a lot of stuff gets stirred up and and we're in the time of the ancestors so this is a, a perfect time to step into and di- dive deep into um, ancestral healing um, but we'll, so we do death rights in a few different contexts there's the death rights for beloveds who have passed okay and and this is a significant practice because sometimes beloveds don't go into the light. Sometimes beloveds are remain disincarnated, like that story about the young one who committed suicide. You know, the belief systems of the family, if the family, if everybody or if there's a certain critical mass of people in their immediate environment that believe that they can't go, go to heaven if you commit suicide they um, will be afraid to go into the light and that energy beliefs that other people hold will actually hold them from going into the light or even send them into the darker um, astral realms you know Um, so so there's the process of retrieving the soul which is a beautiful process when they're not crossed over. Sometimes beings enlarge themselves in objects. Sometimes beings that won't go into the light enlarge themselves in, um, in geographical locations. Sometimes they're in other people. Okay. You know, so the very act of, of beginning the death rights process, that, that first step is extraordinarily healing. Because when you don't cross over, it impacts everybody in the family. You don't know that, but it does. It in- impacts everybody in the family. So once you retrieve, when you once you find where the soul is residing—lower world, middle world, upper world—right, um, you bring them forward and and acknowledge them and let them know your intent. And even and that act too is a monumental act because now they are engaging with with existences in another part um in another realm you know and beyond the veil they're engaging through the veil okay and that is something that activates soul memories for both for all involved in that and then there's the actual unraveling of the energies that they carried in their life that is Amazing, especially when you have family members holding space for that. That is such a profound experience for the soul and for the family, because now that past beloved can also give final messages, final loving uh, acts with their beloveds. So, so there, that's one kind of, of death rite. One way in which it can heal. And these are ones I'm talking about, these are usually beloveds that have passed recently, you know, within the past, you know, several days, months, or year. And then you can have death rites done on ancestors that passed many generations ago. And this is fascinating because you are traveling in a way, you're stepping outside of time and space. And you're engaging with the energies that that person was inundated at the time of their death. So this is very, very special because you can create a massive ripple effect when you unravel an ancestor that, say, goes back, you know, six generations. But you need to know about them. You need to know their name. You need to know, you know, where they were. You, like you, you need to know things about them in order to make that connection to do a death rite for, for a um, an ancestor that goes that far back. And that's beautiful, beautiful cascade. It clears up so many things in the Akasha, in the DNA, and beyond. It's absolutely uh, life changing, really. And then. You can have death rites on yourself. Now, this is also an amazing experience. Uh, so you, there's two different, there's different kinds of death rites that you can do on a living being. Um, there's little death and then there's big death. You know, the little death is disengaging all the energy centers within the body so they're no longer swirling life force energy into the physical form you want, you actually disengage those energy centers so um i, I don't want to say pop off but they're disengaged to a critical mass where you can feel your consciousness not in uh in the context of being in a body let's say it like that you can start you, you get the you get the feel aspects of your consciousness that are not that are not connected into being in a human body and for many people that's a huge wake up that's like whoa i'm you know that's a huge wake up piece and then there's the big death and this is where you do a full death spiral within someone's energy centers and you send them to journey into the upper realm and it takes a, a, a willingness to let go. There's a surrendering that needs to happen for, that, for the, the full scope of that disengagement to happen, okay? So you can do those death rites on a living person. You can do them on a dying person. You can do them with someone who has passed recently and you can do them with, with ancestors way back in time. All of these things bring such honor and respect and sacredness to death and to life, okay? It opens one's eyes to things they haven't been aware of before. And there's a lot of indigenous teachings that, you know, if you are ever going to train with them, I'm talking about more um, traditional teachings, is that, you know, if you're ever going to train with them, you're really not allowed to go into journey work until you heal your connection with your ancestors. You learn how to forgive, you learn how to use the alchemy of forgiveness to liberate people in your lineage. And like I said, this is the reason why is because it's, it's the next most immediate nesting doll of the unseen realm. It's the most immediate nesting doll of the unseen realm. And this is uh, also a dream time. The more ancestral work you do and the more attention you pay to good energetic hygiene and taking responsibility for your energy the more potent your connection with dream time becomes this is this is one of the many reasons why the the very path of learning how to dream the world into being is a game changer on this planet because each step of the way advances your capacity You know, each step of the way has huge benefits. Each little step forward into developing the capacity of dreaming your world into being is a massive healing um, and empowering step. You see? And once you do each of these steps, once you take one step in front of the other into these pieces, once you really are able to connect in with the realms of dream time. You become unstoppable. And we need a critical mass of humans that are unstoppable. Okay, this is what the Pachamama, what Mother Nature is calling for. This is what the elemental realm is calling for. A a reunification of the realm. So we become those unstoppable Creators and retake this reality. So it's no longer a reality that degrades life. It's no longer a reality that that consumes life force. It becomes a reality that is nurturing, that is interconnected, that brings us sacredness to every moment of every day. <clears throat> So it's not too late, guys. Think about what you could be doing to bring celebration and honoring into this thinning of the veils. What can you be doing for your ancestors? You know know how people love to hear stories about themselves? People love to hear about themselves. Something you could do is simply tell stories about your grandparents, your parents, tell stories about you know, about the people, your beloveds, ones that feel good, tell stories about how they, you know, those idiosyncrasies that come out. I remember when, uh, so my dad passed and a few years later, we finally got together to spread his ashes. Um, he wanted his ashes spread in Lake Michigan, he which he loved that. He grew up there. He loved Lake Michigan. And uh, I rem- and he was a pretty quirky kind of character. Definitely was, he was a mad genius and he definitely beat to the rhythm of his own drum. And uh, so I just proposed to everybody, well, you know, let's hear your Hooper stories. His nickname was Hooper. Um, And each person had the most extraordinary story to tell about him. And, you know, he really impacted people he really made them think twice. He really, you know, touched people, and there was pain, there was suffering in there, because you know he was um, he was in Vietnam. He was a helicopter pilot. Had a lot of PTSD. I didn't even realize, but most of the the men in his unit all died. He was the only living member of um, of his unit later in life. You know, so I mean, there was definitely a pain that he carried and heartbreak and uh you know stuff like this but this but by telling those stories it was like we got to remember we got to remember another part we got to remember something else and i really feel like by telling those stories that helped bring him to peace you know so he didn't have so much burden so you can just tell stories about your ancestors, you can talk to your kids about your great grandma, about their great grandmother or grandfather or aunt or uncle, or if you lost a child, you can tell some of your favorite stories of them, you know, and do this. Um, And here's the thing, it may bring up pain, but it also brings up love. It brings up appreciation, okay? so. In the Western world, there's a massive denial avoidance of pain. And this is why people lose them things, lose themselves in things and material. And it's much easier to run the rat race and chase money or status or whatever, right? But when you, when you are able to really have it and not become afraid of it, you know, that's, that's one of those steps forward into becoming unstoppable, you're not going to not do something because it's uncomfortable you're not going to not do something because of the feared intensity or pain that might come with it it's like you know this too shall pass you know it deep inside of your being you know what it is to have your love and your pain at the same time and having it at the same time alchemizes something inside of you you become stronger you become more centered you become more connected with yourself okay Uh, another thing you can do is you know if you have clothes or if you have any kind of items from the ancestors you can make a little altar and put their items if you have pictures great if you have um, you know flowers you can offer food so um, if you had uh, you know like an uncle that loved tequila you can put a little you know put a shot of tequila out there for him you know, you can do things like this. Uh, something simple. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Though some people like to do big elaborate Day of the Dead altars. I've seen those and, and they, they are also around here. But it can be something very, very simple. And just start with that by by honoring in some way, acknowledging in some way. And a lot of you guys are star seeds, a lot of you guys are heavily encoded in your life body. So you, you do retain your dreams you do have dream time and if there's a message that they have for you that you know the ancestors that you're honoring it'll come to you in dream time you'll wake up with an awareness that you'll wake up with an awareness and sometimes depending on how you are with your uh, capacities you know you can have a full conversation with them in the dream There's also that time between waking and sleep, or between sleeping and waking. It's called a hypnagogic state. They can also come in and speak to you during that time as well. This is also where a lot of exospecies can also come in and talk to you. So beware of that. <laughs> it's important. Yet another reason why you want to have a strong relationship with your ancestors um, and, and know them well because uh, you're less easily fooled in those realms when you have a strong ancestral connection because you know the feeling of grandma, you know the feeling of dad, you know the feeling of your ancestors. So if a being comes wearing an ancestor suit, you instantly know it's not them and you can engage appropriately. Yeah, so, oh, okay, Luna Rio says, I woke up feeling the presence of my grandfather last night, around 3, between 3 and 4 a.m. Yeah, that's, that's a prime hour. That's a prime hour. That's often where we are going into a really deep, deep cycle, you know. Ooh. <sighs> so, you know, this is just the beginning this is just the beginning. The, the thinning of the veil has reached its critical mass where it's noticeable, but it's gonna to continue to thin and dissolve as we go towards the winter solstice in the Northern hemisphere. Of course, the Southern hemisphere is in, in a different journey. They're going towards their summer solstice. They're going towards their longest day of the year. But in the Northern hemisphere, we're going to the longest night of the year. We're going into the time of hibernation, of introspection, of slowing down, okay? And we, it's so important for us to slow down right now. One of the things I discovered with uh, that conversation with the ladies last night is that sadness, anger, anxiety, a lot of it, had to do with not, you know, moving at such a fast pace, not even knowing how you feel. It's like life gets completely out of harmony or out of balance and you don't even know how you feel, you know, and it isn't until you slow down, do the feelings start to come up? And then there's this feeling of not wanting to feel your feelings. But here, you know, the emotional intelligence is such where a lot of those young girls, I shouldn't call girls, they're all women. I mean, these are all, you know, mid-20s, mid-30s. I might be one of the older ones there. I was definitely one of the older ones there. There are probably two people, two other people in the room older than me. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, the um, there was an awareness that if you slow down, let yourself have the feelings, give yourself the time and space to journal, to reflect, to be in nature, all these things, then those emotions can be had, they can be acknowledged, they'll move through, and then they can move on in their day. They can, you know, the next day they can be fine. And there's a... A dear sister esther from mexico city sweet sweet woman oh my gosh so sweet i just want to hug her it's like i just want to just hug her all the time it's so funny and i don't want to be weird so i'm not gonna hug her but anyway <laughs> um she said that yeah you know you take a day let yourself have it you cry and you do this and you do that and just do it and then the next day let it be done let yourself just be done And it's like that's some some deep some deep wisdom there some of it might have been lost lost in translation, but it was you know pretty much you' saying if you if you give yourself the time and space to have it, it's that much easier to see it differently later because it's no longer an energy in control of you. It's moved through. You can have space. You can come to acceptance, and move on. And this is what we need to do in order to work with our ancestors in order to work with our psychic intuitive abilities in order to work with dream time we need to have that capacity cuz when we're not in our bodies we're not we're not held we're not safe we're not home we're not having the experiences fully in the way that our spirit wants us to so that means we're going to keep repeating it over and over and over and again until until we do truly get the experience you see all right. Let's see if there's any other pieces. Any other pieces here? Yeah. Hopefully you guys can walk away from this chat with, with some tools that you can start today to um, honor your ancestors, connect with them. I really want, you know, today is just all about why. Why it's so important? What's the benefit for you and all of your people? You know, but this is all theory unless you put it into action. So it will be a, an amazing thing if everybody who gets in contact with this information, if you can at least light a candle and send good wishes, send a prayer, send some love to your ancestors. Let them know you're thinking about them. Let them know that they're not forgotten. And then see where that takes you. Yep, I think that's it for me. So, if you guys uh, want to step further into the dream work, I'm going to renew my invitation to you. Yes, guys, guys, check out the Dreamtime Healing Project. It's LightBodyAcademy.com. This is where we cover. So, it's a comprehensive thing where we cover so many pieces to, um, you know, building your strong a strong energy field, building the capacity with your ancestors, and and reconstructing a solid. Uh, dream time bridge so you can learn what it is and how to dream the world into being and reclaim this reality reclaim your life and uh, yeah and live the life that you want so thank you darlings I will see you guys next week and if there's some things you want me to talk about in next week's chat please send us an email or send us some um some direct messages on instagram and that is a uh, multi-dimensional accelerator on instagram and our email is we care at lifebodyacademy.com we care at lifebodyacademy.com thanks so much guys we'll see you next time